This is Ken Forrester, Executive Director at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Thread Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry operators. We hope you find these podcasts informative. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 143 of our Digital Thread podcast series. Today, it's my great pleasure to host Roberto Siagri, the founder and recent CEO of Eurotech, a global company that integrates hardware, software, services, and expertise to deliver building blocks for full Internet of Things solutions. Roberto founded Eurotech in 1992, leading the business as CEO through its public listing in 2015, uh, which was rated the best performing IPO in Europe at the, for that year, and just recently handed over the reins to the next generation of leadership. Prior to Eurotech, Roberto already had a strong presence in ICT as CTO of HTE Azam, now part of Rockwell. So, Roberto, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Ken, for your introduction. Thank you for having me here. I'm uh, really glad to, uh, to to get you. You've been uh, truly a pioneer in this space, and we'll talk about it in uh, in a moment through uh, you know through the questions we've got. But uh, 30 years in uh, in in the space, really pioneering this idea of uh, ubiquitous computing. And so I'm looking forward to a to a great conversation. I always like to start off uh, really asking the you know the key question you know what would you consider to be your digital thread uh, in other words the one or more thematic threads that define your digital industry leadership well I can summarize it in this way is the Wirth law versus the Moore's law in other way uh, the, the the point that uh, the software is getting slower much rapidly than the hardware is becoming faster so it's uh, it was a sort of uh, thinking behind this concept and figuring out that uh, at the end, the real problem is uh, how to reduce the effort in software development and uh, putting together the right combination of hardware and uh, software tool in order to let uh, the industry to be much faster in developing new application and also giving to them an easier way to maintain these things. Uh, if you think about the early 80s, well, there was not a lot of operating system around, and well, and also the programming language, well, was a lot of assembly, assembler, not a lot of C. So the personal computer at that time was to me the right way to address this uh, increase in demand for software and complexity of the software software versus the way in which the hardware can solve this problem. So in some sense, full stack, um, what I like to call edgeware in the sense that software meets hardware completely at the uh, edge. And uh, and uh, this idea of really driving it toward, or let's say uh, fulfilling the promise of Moore's law through a combination of the software and hardware. 
and uh, and that clearly defines much of the uh, digital industry space that we love so much. So you started this digital thread journey, uh, joining HD Ozem as a hardware designer in 1986, and later serving as CTO. Interesting, I saw that Rockwell Automation recently acquired the company, and they 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 claim to advance the digital edge, which is a uh, which is an interesting thought. What uh, what were some of the early digital edge projects uh, that you did there at the time? Well, at that time, it was more uh, an effort in developing the PC hardware. Uh, was uh, we were in the early days of the chipset, so the glue logic that let the uh, Intel processor to become a personal computer or to be a personal computer. So the effort was more in the hardware space and to deal with frequency. It's funny to think about that, but you know, at that time, the effort was how to move from 10 megahertz to 12 megahertz. So, and it looks funny because now we are talking about gigahertz. And I can tell you, if you uh, have told me that we were now at the gigahertz, uh, uh, in the gigahertz range, well, I can tell, I've told you that we were not in the radar industry. But you know, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a, it was a journey more on the hardware and how to deal with the increase in the frequency of this processor, and uh, and also a little bit about miniaturization. But miniaturization was not the real scope at that time. It was more to design reliable hardware for the office automation. So you co-founded Eurotech in 1992, soon serving as CEO. Uh, what problem did you set out to solve and, and really for whom? Uh, yes, that's uh, that's the interesting thing. So during my uh, my, my, my my time at Asm, the the point I have figured out that personal computer was just more than the office automation tool. Uh, it can become a great tool also for the industrial sector. But uh, if you want to move the personal computer out of the office space and inside the industrial sector, then you have to start to miniaturize it. And the chipset uh, that uh, and so the glue logic in some way the VLSI technology that was put in place in order to reduce the cost of the personal computer in the office space, it was helping the miniaturization on the other side. And uh, and I have, uh, to, uh, and I was returning back to my early ideas when I was in the university of this small personal computer for industrial applications. So uh, the effort was uh, how to reduce the size, and uh, but uh, inside standards. Uh, I have discovered by myself that uh, the industrial sector that's not like uh, proprietary things. Industrial sector required something that is standardized. And uh, in the 90s, in the early 90s, the PC-104 consortium uh, was started in, in, in the US, in California. And, uh, and I take the, this, this kind of opportunity as uh, the signal to start Eurotech. So the standard was there in terms of uh, form factor. The technology was at the right point. Uh, and also the software uh, tools were uh, enough for solve a lot of industrial problem. And then, uh, when, and then I started with some colleagues, uh, Eurotech. 
you make it sound so uh, textbook. <laughs> and uh, and and I know there was certainly a lot of insight that went into choosing this space. Um, insight both uh, clearly on the uh, the technology side, but also on the industrial use case side as well, and getting those to meet. I uh, in doing some research for this, I see that um, Wikipedia describes Eurotech's roots as pervasive and ubiquitous computing, which I, I got a kick out of. Today, of course, we like to talk about cloud, edge, mobile, et cetera. Are these simply new names, i.e. cloud and edge, for well-established computing patterns? Ken, this is a great point. It is really a great point because uh, the answer is yes and no. Uh, what I mean with this, uh, if you look uh, from the hardware perspective, uh, it's not a big difference. Uh, uh, just uh, just because we are talking about embedded computers, small computers, the difference now we call edge because this embedded computer has to be always connected. And uh, when the pervasive computing vision started, and pervasive ubiquitous computing vision started at uh, in the in Xerox Park, uh, thanks to Mark Weiser in the 90s. Uh, well, the point uh, was more. And again, on the miniaturization and how to solve simple tasks, uh, no one has yet the idea of the complexity of the internet and the cybersecurity threat. So in reality, the, the difference between an embedded computer and an edge computer from the hardware point of view is more on the cybersecurity side. So the feature that let this computer to be more uh, resilient against cybersecurity attack, in terms, but the big difference, so it's on the software layer, no one has envisioned the cloud. Tell you, I was also not uh, in a position not to envision it, uh, because when in the middle of the 2000, uh, I was forcing the company to move inside this pervasive ubiquitous computing age, uh, uh, I have just the notion of uh, not of the IoT as we know now, but uh, I, have an, I have the notion of the massive, uh, massive uh, data uh, platform, a platform that is able to collect uh, uh, collecting data. So this uh, data collection platform that now we can also call Data Lake, but I have not the notion how you, we can realize this uh, massive data collection platform. Uh, and uh, we take years for understand that uh, we have to get out of the old scheme of how software is developed and to move to the cloud. But for me, cloud is a new software paradigm because behind the, the, the word cloud, uh, you have the infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service. It's all these kind of layers and the methodology to develop this layer that has a big difference compared to the pervasive ubiquitous computing vision of the early 2000. So it's the cloud that has given to this concept the, the, re, the reality to become the reality, to become real and to be part of what we see nowadays around us as uh, the, the IoT. 
The um, you guys were really a early leader in moving from pure hardware focus. I say pure hardware because there's always uh, OS and and embedded, but to um, something I think you called at the time the the ESF um, your your service framework, really which was sitting at that infrastructure as a service level. I remember in our early work on uh, IoT platforms. Uh, Eurotech would constantly come up as a uh, as a, a player uh, and and yeah. in some case a leader in that space because yeah. of the early work that you guys had done. So uh, I think you saw that vision probably more earlier than you give yourself credit for. But uh, yeah, that's something that happened. You know, the is also the hype cycle from Gartner that talk about this. Sometimes <laughs> you are so excited about a new idea, but from yeah. the idea to reality, yes, it take time. Yes, yeah, clearly. But you did begin that journey earlier, certainly earlier than most of your uh, peer companies in the, uh, I'll call it hardware module space uh, on the industrial side. So let, let's talk about your tech particularly. What were some of your notable wins over your time there? Yeah, well, uh, returning back to what I have said about miniaturization, uh, if you look at Eurotech uh, uh, from 92, 95, 97, in that five years, in the uh, in the, the f first five years, we were the first company that was able to miniaturize in a PC 104 module the 486, 486DX processor. Was was uh, was not not an easy task. Well, just for just to, to one that does not know, the PC 104 form factor is a more or less a 10 by 10 centimeter. And uh, if you think about the size of a PC one of, of a 486DX, well, most of the space was just because of the processor. So it was not easy to put together all that kind of stuff. And we were really pushing the, the, the PCB technology and also the way in which you design the PCB at the limit in order to do that. And uh, we were also the first company when the Compa PCI standard emerged at, uh, in the uh, late 90s to uh, to come out with a, a Pentium uh, processor in a 3U form factor, uh, the Eurocard form factor, and uh, but in general, the the uh, what I can say is that was how we approach the standard, the standard customer with this modify standard, what we is called now MOTS modify of the shelf compared to the commercial of the shelf or the COTS product. So our way to manage COTS and MOTS, uh, it's maybe one of the, the key elements for our success. Uh, and then, of course, as you have mentioned, we were one of the leading companies in transitioning from the operating system to a platform with the Internet of Things, understanding that uh, that the the the, uh, the, the the mobile phone industry uh, was changing the rule in terms of how to develop software, and the app economy was entering inside the industrial space. In some way, you can think about IoT as the app economy entering in the industrial space. And uh, well, and then uh, we have uh, taken international approach and the international expansion uh, of the company. So a, a global company, but with a local approach. I like that quote, IoT as the app economy into uh, the industrial space. That's the uh, first time I think anybody's ever made that analogy, and I think it makes an awful lot of sense uh, in that regard. Let's uh, let's talk. You mentioned uh, your your really aggressive expansion. Um, uh, you know, I think that's been a hallmark of uh, Eurotech, uh, going from quickly setting up a presence in the U.S., 
as we said earlier, driving the best performing IPO in Europe in 2005 and making five acquisitions along the way. What, uh, what was your underlying expansion thesis? Well, uh, first of all, you have to follow the demand. And if you think about the demand, uh, the largest economy at that time, but still today, uh, were the US, uh, then Japan, then you can question China and Japan, but for sure Japan. And uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, we have moved also in UK, France, and we just missed, I have missed Germany, that is for sure now one of the most important ones, uh, one of the most innovative economy nowadays. In, in, in the planet, but well, so we were following the market, and the our technology was at the leading edge, and we need leading edge economy in order to be able to to sell. So that's uh, one way to look at the at the global expansion, and the other point that it's uh, technology per se was led by. Uh, if you look at the micro, the microelectronics uh, U.S., and if you look at the automated machine Japan, so that's the thesis about that to acquisition, and all, all the other is just uh, to take advantage of uh, a local presence uh, with a global product line. Global. Or uh, say a global view, a local presence, and uh, that probably pretty well defines how you guys always uh, expanded. Uh, even though Euro is uh, is clearly in the uh, in the name, given your nearly 30 years at the helm of Eurotech, if you could go back and change anything, what might you have done differently? Uh, a lot of things can. Unfortunately, you cannot reverse the clock, <laughs> but. Uh, let me say that uh, uh, we can say faster and slower. So does it, what does it mean when I say faster and slower? As we have, you have said before, sometimes we get uh, too fast uh, with some new idea on the market. Uh, and maybe well, that's uh, and not we well not to follow too much uh, the uh, knowing the hype cycle, not to follow too, too much the new trend, and maybe. Stay a little bit in stealth mode with some technologies, while to be much faster in taking decision about what it is not working. Sometimes you know you postpone decision, but maybe because it's also related to the culture. If I am an American, maybe I I will I was much faster. I, uh, but because a European, maybe I'm not so fast. Uh, matter of fact, I'm doing this. Uh, uh, acquisition around the world, you figure out a different kind of attitude. Japanese are slower in taking decision, but when they take the decision, they are very fast. Maybe the American culture is much faster in taking decision, and also the economy is much faster in terms of reaction. So learning a little bit from all these things. And, uh, and then the other point, maybe it is uh, move myself in the U.S. Uh, from the beginning instead to stay here but well it's um uh, that's uh, so not big things but some fundamental things uh, yes uh, if i return back uh, if i'm able to return back uh, 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 i would like to change them so uh, in terms of the technology decision that we have done i think that we were mm, right maybe timing as i told you and uh, timing uh, in the investment, uh, tuning in a different way the investment. And, uh, and the other things are more human factor related to decision about organization, 
and uh, and attitude from one country to another. And uh, but uh, well, it's uh, it was a great journey in any case. It cer certainly was. I, I I I like this idea of faster and slower, and in some sense. It kind of describes what industry pundits will, will you know, or how they describe the industrial Internet of Things in some sense, right? Sometimes you need to be faster to get your technology out there, but the reality is that this industry moves very slowly. Very so it's that slowly, fine very balance very in one hand of being very well tied into the technology, the IT technology, if you will, as you guys did. On the other hand, serving an industry, you know, uh, d defense, military, industrial, that is that moves at a certain pace and certainly slower than the the uh, uh, processor leaps uh, that happen on the IT side, right? And uh, and so in, in some senses you probably manage that balance pretty well and across a global audience, as you said as well. I, I know we joked a bit earlier about pervasive compute, computing, but you know really reflecting on today's discussions about edge computing, industry 4.0, uh, autonomous vehicles, on and on, it seems like we are actually closer to this vision uh, today than, uh, than 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 clearly we had been. As has the timing of this progression surprised you? I.e., did you think expect things to move you know faster? And uh, and I guess you know at the same point you know what do you see in store for us in this digital industry space over the next five years as well? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, my surprise is that the adoption from the industrial sector, it's slower uh, than the adoption in the consumer space. And um, that's the one thing that surprised me uh, on a negative way. Digital transformation is, is still in the early day. If you think about digital transformation in the industrial sector, especially on the business model that the digitization will uh, will bring into the space. So uh, to me, uh, in, the, in the next five years, uh, I think that, at least for my view about the future, I think that we will see uh, this adoption of IoT uh, really taking place with the AI, but the AI, the AI at the edge, this edge concept, it's really interesting, especially if you think about the next step on the AI as unsupervised AI and federated AI that can solve a lot of uh, uh, privacy uh, issue that the industrial sector may have. And again, the 5G, 5G revolution because uh, of the distributed capability of the 5G network. So um, in the next five years, I, I, I expect that what I have seen in the last in the last five years will become will become a reality and uh, and uh, and so there will be fun because it is not just a matter what what it is interesting to me it is not more just a matter of technology it's about uh, our uh, sustainability problem how to solve with technology the sustainability problem that the planet has has how to get out of the industrial model in order to enter in the digital model and in the service industry as a whole. So that's uh, it's uh, the new promises of these uh, technologies. And, uh, and I think that uh, the planet can uh, really enter in a new phase of growth, in a new phase of sustainable growth, thanks to the digital transformation. 
And as you said, uh, that digital transformation is still relatively early. So while you've you know finished out phase one of uh, your uh, professional career in terms of 30 years at Eurotech and handing over to the next generation of leadership, I'm sure everybody's thinking the same thing. Uh, what's next for you, Roberto? Well, you know, I'm still working on it. I have many ideas. And uh, and during this period, I will sort out which is the best for me. Uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm really uh, in uh, investigating all this new frontier of the quantum computing. That's the the next edge in terms of computation, and uh, and also also this, as I told you, this new digital transformation in terms of how we can serve with the technology the better the, the planet in a better way and how we can help the new generations to create a more sustainable in industrial infrastructure so well we will see in the next month i will see also myself in the next month but for sure many ideas and I like the fact that uh, on your uh, profile, you describe it as a sabbatical. Um, Lord knows after 30 years, you deserve at least a month or two uh, yes, of sabbatical. Yes. Nine months <laughs> up to the end of the year. You know? Okay, very good. Well, finally, the question I always like to ask is, you know, where do you find your personal inspiration? Well, I can tell you that one of the books that uh, gave to me a lot of inspiration, it's uh, The Singularity is Near from Ray Kurzweil, uh, that explain all these exponential technologies. And I think that all the people and all the online stuff that are discussing the exponential technologies are a good starting point. They let you to think in a different way because we are linear in some way as human and we do not understand that this the potential of the technologies uh, because of how our mindset is uh, built up. But uh, at least uh, looking at this kind of books and people, you can think in a different way. Like, for instance, the book from Peter Diamandis, Abundance. Uh, it's, uh, there are great books about how to think in a different way, how digital is uh, digital technologies are transforming the, the, the planet. And then if you think about the new, the new way to build up a sustainable planet is the performance economy from Walter Style, that is an interesting book about uh, the servitization and the service industries. And uh, so and then why not some book about quantum technologies? Because, you know, this the quantum theory was uh, in some way uh, written down uh, in the early in the early of the last century in the, and uh, it's still not yet so present inside the industrial sector and we can get a lot of benefit uh, from the usage of quantum technologies in the industrial sector and in the next 20 30 years uh, i think that there will be a flourish of these things uh, and uh, helping the planet to continues to grow and in a sustainable way. I think your uh, your definition or uh, balance of these books, one foot in technology, one foot really in the, I'll call it social impact in this case, as you talk about the, the, the planet and such, yeah. really is a defining element of, you know, I think, what you've done, uh, you know, over your over your career. Uh, and uh, The Singularity is Near is one of my favorite books. I consider that a real inspiration. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, yeah, 
And interesting, that's still still a lot of it still has yet to come in terms yeah, of the predictions absolutely. that are there. Yep, absolutely. and that does give you a sense that while the singularity is near, it's uh, it's still a ways away. <laughs> that's the opportunity for all of us. So, yes. Roberto, thank you for spending this time with us today. Thank you, Ken. It was a pleasure. As well, as well. So this has been Roberto Siagri, the founder and recent CEO of Eurotech and a truly a full stack pioneer. Thank you for listening and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.